This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.15, you're tuned to WGNS. And this morning, throughout the morning, we're going to have guests from MTSU on the air with us. And our first guest is Dr. Hillary Miller, Director of the Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans and Military Family Center. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me back. So I guess first, kind of tell us about the Veterans Center. What mm. What is this all about? Okay, so our history with veterans goes way back. So really from the time that we opened as a university, it's been a focus for us. But we opened the center in 2015, um, November of 2015, and we are a comprehensive center that assists both students and people in the community, veterans, active duty, still serving, uh, and their family members. And we're comprehensive. We're going to help onboard our students we focus on their academic success. We focus on employment. And again, this is the whole family. And then, um, w- you know, everything is, is all very centralized. And we want to make sure that they're successful both in their academics and then going forward to their next transition. So how did a country music legend like Charlie Daniels get involved <laughs> I know, right? I did, so you gave the title of the center, and that is a mouthful. It is actually the longest name for a center at the university. So running we just, out of breath. I know. It is, it's a little challenging, but we just go by the Daniel Center. That's the, the name of it. And he, as you know, is known for his love of the military. And when we opened the center, right around the same time that we were opening it, General Huber, who works at MTSU, a three-star general, um, infantry, Green Beret, um, he got connected with Mr. Daniels via Bev Keel, who is the Dean of Media and Entertainment. And they just struck a friendship and he just supported us in so many ways. One of my very favorite Charlie Daniels stories is when we were working on the new logo, when we decided we were going to name it after him. And as you know, with most things, MTSU, the logo has MT and then something to do with what what we do at at that area. So I thought if we were going and so ours was MT with dog tags. But then when we decided to um, name it after Mr. Daniels and Mrs. Daniels, I thought we should have a golden fiddle on it. And his manager, David Corlew, said, Hillary, I, I think you should rethink that. I think a fiddle is a great idea, but we should have it with a patriotic, you know, with a flag on it. Mm-hmm. Because when Mr. Daniels thinks about his legacy, he wants it to be more than the devil went down to Georgia. He <laughs> believes that his legacy will always be reside with the men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces. So that's what we did. And he blessed us with a fiddle that looks very similar and it hangs in the Daniels Center. So we we support about 1,400 military-connected students each year. That's probably a conservative number. And if you come in, you can see that fiddle hanging in the center. Now, before Charlie Daniels passed away last year, he, he'd been out there on campus oh, numerous times. Yes. He even got a parking ticket the very first time he Funny. was there. So we um, he was bringing us a check for a hundred thousand dollars and I, I guess it should have been a hundred thousand thirty we did we did get the uh the parking pass dismissed so. <laughs> so that's what he decided to pay for the parking yeah tax. right right so um we made sure that every other time he was on campus that um it, there was no there were parking was very clear on, on yeah. who he was but we were able to see him he our last public appearance was with him at the predators uh 
we were opening a new scholarship called the General's Fund, and he was out there to support that before things closed down that that week. Mm-hmm. And we were able to see Miss Daniels and Charlie Jr. about two or three weeks ago when MTSU was out at the Grand Ole Opry. So, how, how did he interact with some of those who were, you know, oh recently my, in the military? Oh my or? goodness, he could, he could not stay away. It was it was. I have some wonderful photos of him interacting, and I remember that time at the Predators game. We were uh, getting ready for the press conference with the president of the Predators and MTSU president, Dr. McPhee and General Huber and and the Daniels and he walked by me and he said well you know hey Hillary and just kept walking waved and then all of a sudden he saw that I had brought all these student veterans up there and he just circled around did the press conference and then quietly came and sat with them this was not something that he was trying to do for the press he just wanted to interact with them and in fact I mentioned Mr. Corlew we before COVID, I generally would rent a bus from the bus, bar, you know, for MTSU's car lot, and I would bring up about six of seven of our veterans, and we would he would take them out to eat at the Palm, and we would sit down, and he just wanted to know what they were doing. Or Mr. Corley would come up here. They would host regularly what we called a burger burn, and it was um, a, just a cookout at, with the ROTC and our our students. We would do that once a year, and one time. We had fed about 400 people, and we were running out of food. And Mr. Corley said, do you think I should run to Kroger's and buy more? And I said, no, I think we're good. We fed 400 people today. So they very much are want to hear their stories. They want to interact. And, um, and down to earth, it sounds like. Very down to earth. And, and his foundation is still working with us, um, for sure. But he will be missed. Again, There's no one else like him. With us this morning, Dr. Hillary Miller, director of the Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans and Military Family Center. Now, how is that family center involved with the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix, which is coming up in I, August? I know. So we have, I like to, I've just started working on this terminology, so I may not have it exactly right. But I like to think that the Daniels Center has a partnership with all the other great Tennessee treasures, the, the iconic Tennessee treasures, the wording I'm kind of trying to play around with. I'll have to work with Mr. Jimmy Hart to make sure I'm getting this right because, you know, I'm not, I'm a, an administrator, not a wordsmith. <laughs> but um, we have connections with the Grand Ole Opry, the Sounds, the Predators, um, and we certainly Mr. Daniels. And now we're going to be with the, with the Grand Prix, and that's going to be very exciting. That their car is mtsu blue so how could we not be a partner with them and and mtsu alumni is you know the owner of that you know it's really cool how many different groups and organizations are involved with this military and family center i know we we work well that's part of it's very very intentional and um my colleague general huber is the mastermind behind all of that uh, and as well as other folks at mtsu but we part of our mission is to make sure that we are helping people find jobs so you do not have to even go to mtsu to reach out to us for us to to assist you Uh, and again like we also want to help families well we can't have job find people jobs if we don't have these type of partnerships so i just mentioned a few of those but we have partners all over the state and beyond and if people need jobs then we we want we want to have partnerships to place them so we ask our partners all the time please send us your your listings and we're going to scrub our list and if we can't find you a military family member or military a veteran then we'll send it over to our career center on campus we'll help you but please partner with us 
and um, so that's part of it's very intentional for this these relationships now this is the biggest veteran slash education center in the u.s that right? that's my understanding and for certain it is one it is the most comprehensive so everything that we're going to do we're we're going to provide for that veteran right there in our office we have they're going to have an onboarding manager what we call a transition manager it is not like something that we make up in our mind to think that these students are in another country trying to apply for admissions and they are they can that idea of a soldier being in a tent in the desert with a laptop doing that is for is for sure that really happens that happens and these folks also most of them didn't go to high school last year they've been out for a bit so they don't have a high school guidance counselor doing it so mtsu has invested in a person that's going to onboard them and just walk them through this process and um that's just part of it they're going to make sure that their residency is done many many of our students get in-state tuition Mm -hmm. because of their military benefits but that's extra paperwork they have to do so that person's going to walk them through we're going to make sure their gi bill runs you don't have to have gi bill to use our services but if you do, we're going to make sure it's done right. Our students get are required academic advising every single semester. The only other group that's required for this long of time is our athletes, and there's only about 400 of them. So this is a huge resource to make sure that they're academically prepared and taking the right classes and getting through on time. And then we're going to find them employment. Well, actually, we might find them employment while they're in school, internship, part-time work, mentorships, then their full-time job, and that's for their whole family. So um, you know, we are certainly the most comprehensive, and um, we also that's all the on the academic side. Then there's loads of events, there's loads of programming, there's loads of uh, we have a student group called Bravo, so we can attend to the social side as well. So some of the veterans who enroll through this veterans organization on campus, which is part of MTSU, yes. but some of these students they've never stepped foot on the campus, right? And um, and they have been out for a while so they're anxious about it they don't have those connections uh, they didn't have they're not coming in with their two or three high school buddies so um we need to make sure that we're walking them through this that they feel that they're going to be supported we have a large number of military faculty members and administrators as well so they can walk on campus and see that their doors are marked that they are a veteran faculty member and that this is something that's important to the university it's very much part of our culture on 9-11, we'll have a ceremony like we do every year at Moment of Impact. This weekend, this year will be the 20th, and it's on a Sunday. We'll be out there. Um, we have all sorts of ceremonies, stole ceremonies for our students every semester. We also have a stole ceremony for our faculty that are veterans. Um, just very much it, what we're doing is tied into the running of the university as well so a student can feel safe when they come here that this is a place that understands what they're going to bring to the classroom what what they what their experience is like and we bank on that at the university it's not something that we accommodate the veteran we build on their strengths so um somebody's going to want to come here for that kind of thing well mtsu obviously has a long history in general but they do have a long history with military as well Mm -hmm. and since this program has started have you had a chance to see some enlisted come in and then they go out officers oh certainly um we have a green to gold we don't the army does Mm -hmm. and so that would be people who are enlisted that they the army has selected to send back to school to get their degree and then commission we work very closely with army rotc and then we also have air force that's a satellite on campus 
even though it's a satellite set TSU, we had the largest number of cadets are from MTSU and we held their commissioning on campus. But we work closely with them. We work very closely with the Guard. In fact, I was fortunate to the 118th allowed me to go up on Friday in a helicopter and, and tour this area. So it was phenomenal. The Guard, Tennessee Guard, now has a program called Strong. And I don't know if you're tracking it, but it will pay for a first bachelor's and now a first master's for people who just have recently enlist it with them mm-hmm. and so this is or, or commissioned if they're you know if they already have that degree this is amazing to think that mm-hmm. you could get through an undergraduate degree and a master's degree with absolutely no debt so i mean there are certain qualifications but this is something that they they're doing regularly and so we do very much work with these young people who are you know young enlisted e1s that maybe were in school last year mm-hmm. and now they're going to school on the state and they're getting that all paid for that's pretty cool and if anybody wants to learn more i guess the easiest thing is to just email Google. me or call me yeah absolutely yeah. i mean and this is, we're not high up as far as like there's lots of bureaucracy they can call me directly my number i, I mean I'm glad to give it yeah, out yeah. 615-898 five zero three nine that's my direct number and we'll walk them through it we have people that will sit down and just walk through the whole process with them like i said you have a transition manager when you come to mtsu and um i report directly to the vice president of student affairs and she reports directly to the president general huber reports to the provost and president so we there we have direct lines to the the top leadership at mtsu Again with us this morning, Dr. Hillary Miller, Director of, and you just call it the Daniel Center. The Daniel Center. But Mm -hmm. it's for veterans and the family of military. Absolutely. Cool stuff. And this has been, what, it started 2015 officially? Right. But we've been doing it for a long time. And um, so it, it came naturally. People think, how did you do this so quickly? And I think, well... We've been doing it since about 1911. We've been working on yeah. with our military. You just so. teamed up with a lot of yeah. new people a lot of recently. New people. Absolutely. So, so cool stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Anytime, anytime you ask, I'll be back. So thank right you. now that time, 8.30, you're tuned to WGNS. We have more news and information coming up. We are News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City. Come see us at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. Now is a great time to consider flea and tick protection for your pet. We carry a full line of flea and tick products for dogs, cats, rabbits, and ferrets. We also carry a variety of hard-to-find products for your specialty pets. So if you need a pouch for your sugar glider or food for your hedgehog, come see us at Animal City. You can find Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You can get those options on the menu online at www.demasrestaurants.com. You can make the decisions that you want to make before you come in. We have options ranging from grilled chicken to fish. You can get it with a side of green beans or spinach or even zucchini. 
Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner at Demas's. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Each congressman, senator, and governor could test as many people as they wanted to get down to 10. Well, mine tested 100. The academy was brand new. West Point and Annapolis, you got a primary or an alternate, where if you passed, you're in. If you failed, the alternate goes. In this salute, we talked to a veteran who served in the U.S. Air Force. So I graduated. James Deck, better known as J.D., flew a C-130 in Vietnam. They sent us to sea survival. We went out there and they scared the out of us. They let us float out in a raft by ourselves, in a single man raft. And then we went to Stead Air Force Base for jungle survival. They chased us all over the mountain shooting at us. We lived off of wild radishes and onions and things like that. And then they captured you and you went into POW training and you spent like seven different ways they were going to interrogate you. And they said, the only thing we can't replicate is the fear of death, but everything else we can do. And they did. And I had many friends that had nervous breakdowns and they failed. One of the things that most of the people broke down on was they shoved you into a box and just kept pushing till you couldn't move. And we had a bag over our head 24-7. I was in there and I could rub my nose with one finger. So I fixated on being able to do this instead on the pain and suffering. James Deck, a veteran of Vietnam. This has been a salute to veterans. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Right now that time, 8.33, you're tuned in to WGNS again on this Monday morning, talking about MTSU and guests from MTSU on the air with us this morning. And in studio, Christina Taylor, I I don't know why I said Taylor, (laughs) do you always put your middle name there? Uh, Christina Taylor Bird, and uh, you are with MTSU, right? Yes, I am. The Center for Health and Human Services, and also Cynthia Allen, Environmental Specialist with MTSU, Environmental Health and Safety. That's a lot of uh, environmental stuff right there, and health and all that stuff together. So one of the things we're going to talk about this morning is a grant that MTSU I guess received and is helping the state with. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. What, what are we looking at here? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation has provided CHHS with a grant to create a robust public education campaign to address water quality and the impact of nutrient runoff. So we are basically creating a toolkit that encompasses uh, a social media campaign and it's tailored to four different audiences. So we're gonna hit farmers, K through 12 educators, and wastewater treatment facilities, as well as the public to just be aware 
care of um, their water quality and the nutrient reduction, um, things we can do at home to kind of help that out. I, I know the USDA, I think, just released today or either this past weekend information on deadlines for farmers to, you know, I, I guess list with the state their acreage and everything. So it's interesting that that just came out and then you have all this information that is coming out in the grant. But what, how much, I guess, how many problems are flowing into the river or into the waterways? Because I don't know how else to address it other than call it a problem. What, what is it? Um, so actually, I'm glad you brought up Department of Agriculture because we're building these education materials with all of these leaders across the state. And part of that is to help them have good education materials to push um, out to farmers. We know that farmers are doing a lot of good in our community. And um, this is just a way, one, to showcase what we are doing in Tennessee that reduces, but also some things that we need to work on. Um, a lot of these come from uh, fertilizer application or lawn and yard application. Um, so we think a lot of times farmers, but a lot of times it's our general population as we're trying to keep our our lawns green, super green, and uh, we just don't realize. And then just wastewater is a is a part of this too. And so we're working with the state. That's a these are both regulated communities, and they do a lot to reduce this. So part of this is to bring awareness to the general person to understand how these contributions happen, and the average citizen and ways that they can reduce what they're doing at home. Well, just a few years ago, I think it was, the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation started working with cities on parking lot water runoff. And that was the first time I think the general public, that's not in agriculture, first started hearing a lot about water runoff. Mm -hmm. So this water runoff issue, when it involves chemicals, fertilizers, things like that, it actually gets into the Gulf. You were talking about that earlier, and that's pretty fascinating because that's another thing that I don't think people really think about. Yeah, um, so there's an initiative. Um, I know a lot of people have heard about this, but the Gulf has got a lot of pollution from all the states that contribute to the Mississippi River that discharges into the Gulf. And so the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, has gone back to a lot of these states to try and figure out um, what are you doing that's reducing the load in your state and what still needs to be done so that we can um, work to reduce that pollution that's ending up in the Gulf. And a big part of that is the general public. I think people don't realize. And so, I, like you said, I work at the Environmental um, Health and Safety at the college, but a big part of our program is the stormwater program. And people are probably familiar with that and the education that we do in the community. So this ties right in with what you were saying about cities trying to reduce the pollutant load that runs off of these solid surfaces all throughout our community that contributes. And I guess with roadways and asphalt, you've got oils that come out of the asphalt itself and get into the waterway and i'm trying to picture so it would go let's say for example into the local creeks then into stones river eventually cumberland river tennessee river mississippi river and then to the gulf right there's a small portion that does i could say small but we do ha we do discharge to the ohio river and the to the mississippi river and so eventually it still goes to the gulf and so we, I think people don't realize it, but summer's a great time to realize about those connections and um, how much we enjoy and depend on our water, how much clean water means um, to us in all of our daily lives, whether it starts at home, getting ready, um, what the foods we prepare, businesses, industry. I mean, water's just essential to every part of our life. And so anytime we can work to keep that water clean and have high water quality helps us with our um, 
you know, our waterways for our aquatic life, but also for us and yeah. our health. <laughs> you, you know, I always heard about the nearby Duck River and how biodiverse it is, one of the most biodiverse, I think, in North America. But that's right here in our own backyard. Yes, and I am so glad you brought that up because the majority of the biodiversity for our wildlife is actually here in the southeast. And so if we lose some of these animals and some of these plants that don't have anywhere else to live, you know, in these ecosystems, then, you know, we're kind of doing a disservice. Uh, So there's so much that needs to be done from just general awareness and people to understand. And this new grant is going to help. Well, obviously, MTSU is getting the grant, then they're turning around and they're going to figure out new ways to work and notify, let farmers, the general public know about these dangers and and so forth. So how are you going to go about doing this? Do you know yet? Yes, actually, we the toolkit that we're going to have is going to be user-friendly, so it's easily disseminated um, to other organizations that want to address water quality, but also it's going to be uploaded onto mtsu.edu forward slash CHHS, our website. So anybody who's interested in nutrient reduction and water quality, they're able to access it there, um, as well as it's going to be all of our social media, um, our campaign that we're doing, we're going to incorporate some of that messaging into our social media as well. So will you also be visiting like local high schools, local middle schools? So the information will be disseminated to those educators for them to incorporate in their curriculum. Uh, We will not be in in the schools ourselves, but we will make sure they have the resources that they need to um, complement their curriculum. So is this the first time MTSU has really, I don't know, focused on the media side of getting the information out there to farmers? Yeah, as far as, in, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's no, good. We used to have an old program called Tennessee Waterworks, and that was actually funded from the Department of Agriculture um, and TDEC also. So some of these old env- environmental campaigns that we had done, um, I think, brought us awareness uh, to the community at large, but it also gave us good partnerships with the state um, that helped us to be able to get some of these grants um, and for MTSU to be shown as a leader in education services across the state and um, the nice part of this is um, social media has taken off since a lot of those early campaigns and so the center and the work that they're doing now is going to really help bridge that gap for a lot of communications and bring in the social media side and how, how communications have changed um, since then. So the nutrient reduction and water quality campaign is going to be active through the end of this year, I guess, right? Yes, it's 11 months. Um, it ends December 31st of this year. And then is there a chance for a, a new grant the following year? We're hoping. Um, so we're doing a lot of planning, um, and then we hope to see if there's an implementation part of it um, so we can actually get out there in the community um, with our toolkit, using them on ground um, in our communities. And where can people learn more about all this? Um, definitely on our website, mtsu.edu uh, forward slash CHHS, as well as on our social media platforms which is just mtsu underscore chhs all right so sounds good anything else in closing uh, those are materials too uh the toolbox that christina's group is going to be developing is going to be online with tdec and then uh, that's going to be disseminated to all of our partners across the state uh, so i'm excited with the stormwater program we'll be using these programs here uh, locally and um, be able to push that out to a lot of people to use across the state so cool stuff we're thankful again with us christina bird and also cynthia allen this morning talking about 
water and MTSU, I guess. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you so much. Time right now, 842. More information coming up. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One, MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon. Partial sunshine develops a high in the upper 80s. Southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 78. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Time right now, 844. You're tuned to WGNS this morning. Dr. Charlie Apigian, Professor of Information. And what? Professor of Information. How, how in the world... That's quite the title there. Well, yeah, uh, information systems and analytics is uh, my home department. But it's the MTSU Data Center or Data Science Center? Is that what it is? Yeah, so data science at MTSU is an interdisciplinary uh, field. So we uh, have uh, classes from information systems to computer science to math. Um, Pretty much, you know, we don't look at it as a specific uh, place in a department, but instead it is a discipline throughout at the university. So that covers a lot. It absolutely does. And, you know, data science is one of those fields where we look at it as a way to solve problems using data. And tell me somebody in the future that's not going to need to solve problems with the data that they have. Yeah, and there's a, a lot of stuff that requires a lot of I guess data input and problem solving out there right now for sure, especially when you look at the world of computers. I mean, they're everywhere. Absolutely. And so we at MTSU are definitely trying to be at the forefront of in the education space in data science. And does this also, would data science involve things like uh, the stock market? I mean, is that under your category, looking at those types of numbers? And then you look at numbers and I mean, just everywhere. Well, and and that's exactly why it's interdisciplinary. So, you know, data science, I I don't care what the field is uh, or or what you're looking at. I just care about the data a lot of times. But we can bring in the finance uh, individual and they learn some different machine learning techniques to help them make predictions. And that's what we're really good at is taking our techniques and applying it to other disciplines. Now, I, I was reading recently about Bitcoin and how there's all these different groups out there who are trying to focus and figure out, you know, when new mints come to the market within Bitcoin. 
and that's one of those other categories is brand new in the world that wasn't here you know 20 years ago well and it's we are really good at predicting things based on what's happened in the past now cryptocurrencies is hard to predict because everything is so new there but if you look at a lot of uh, the different types of models that we can uh, create it is based on what's happened in the past can we now use that to help us predict the future and there is a new data science graduate certificate so what what would that cover just everything that we're talking about here well, we look at uh, education at MTSU for data science in a lot of different areas. We already have an undergraduate degree in data science. That's been going very well. Um, but what we are really looking for is helping the professional get the data skills that they need for today's environment. And so uh, we decided excuse me, uh, to uh, create a graduate certificate, which is four classes. Most of the content is online and uh, you finish in an eight-month period, and at the end of that, you have Python skills, statistics uh, knowledge, and most important, you think differently about data to help you make decisions that will hopefully be actionable based on the data that you have. You look at organizations around the country, they do research, they do studies, they gather numbers on how many are using their services, how many are you know, spending this much versus that much, and then you put it all together, and then those are the numbers that they would then, I guess, try to figure out, well, what's this going to look like 10 years from now, five years from now, and so on. Uh, Second Harvest Food Bank, for example, they've come on board with you. You formed a partnership with them through MTSU, and they're providing real data from their operations, and then the students are, what, taking a look at those numbers and put them together in different ways? Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we always like to look at opportunities for uh, projects where it's meaningful and it, students can do things for good. And what a better, there's no better partner than Second Harvest. And so they have been absolutely wonderful allowing us to not only go f uh, tour their facilities, gather the data. The director of operations, Frank Elmo, will sit down with our students and tell them how hard it is to try to make predictions on what food they need for next month or next week and we had a cohort of 20 students uh, just recently graduate where for seven weeks that's all they did was look at taking that data aggregating it clean it and then see if they can help pr make predictions so that they could get a better idea of how to serve our community dr apigan with us this morning from mtsu so when they gather numbers and they gather them from let's say again second harvest food bank are they also putting those numbers together with maybe another organization, maybe U.S. Census information? What are they putting all these things together with? Oh, that's, that's a great point. Data by itself from an organization is usually valuable. But once you bring in external data to that to look at other factors, it becomes extremely valuable. I mean, for us to look at uh, the last seven years of data from Second Harvest, well, what do we do as of March, 20, uh, March 2020? Everything changed. Is was the do we still try to make predictions based on that data? Do we look at taking that out? Do we uh, add environmental factors, economic factors to help us make better predictions? And the answer is yes. So entry level jobs in data sciences, if somebody gets a degree in that, what are they looking at making? Uh, 
everything right now in the tech field is is doing very well. Uh, most of our students, if they came out with an undergrad degree, are making easily in the mid 60s or higher. Um, data science uh, actually probably is even higher. I mean, just at MTSU, we're looking now to hire a data scientist. It's up on our website, MTSU Jobs, if you're interested in in that position, and uh, it is a well-paying job. Um, and so our students are able to come out, and most important is they're able to take the skills they literally just learned and apply it directly to the job immediately, which means the ability to make more money quicker and promotions is 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 possible. So what kind of job would this be? I mean, not at MTSU, but I mean, in general, what kind of job would it be? Are you going out there working in the community or are you specifically sitting behind a computer somewhere? Yeah, I hate, I never am somebody that will say that you're going to sit behind a computer. You're solving problems. You're talking to people. Probably the biggest thing we do is talk to people to understand their problems, to understand then what data to go and get. Most of the jobs, especially entry level, will include the word analyst in it. So systems analyst, data analyst, business analyst, those are great entry level jobs into the field. You normally won't go from an undergrad degree to a data scientist. Uh, you'll need some experience uh, for that, but there are those um, uh, entry-level jobs, again, usually with the word analyst in it, that you can uh, start with. So this data scientist, if you would, he's the one who is helping a company figure out how they can make more money, save more money, reach more customers, but not through marketing. I mean, it's just a totally different field or idea that people don't think about who are in the general public. They don't. And, and, you know, we do use data for good. So it's it, it, and there are people out there maybe on the malicious side, but in most cases, we're looking to make a better experience for folks if you're looking at data specifically uh, for that. I mean, we're, we're next to the uh, old police uh, department here uh, uh, in, in their old building. We actually made a prediction with them just a year ago where we looked at all of the crime data and based on the activities within the city, we're able to predict where a burglary would be. And so, you know, to me, that's incredibly valuable. Now they can do better um, allocation of police officers in different subzones. And so those are the kind of things that we, uh, we can do as a data scientist, not only to help a company, but also to help a community. So what do you see the end results being when you do a project like that for a police department? Are you seeing, yeah, well, that was right. That's the street where it's going to happen, or that's the neighborhood where it's going to happen most. You know what you get the most is they already know this kind of stuff because it's their gut. They, it's their intuition, but now they have real data to back it up. And then they also have the alerts kind of, in other words, they know if there's a lot of burglar alarms that go off in a specific neighborhood this week, next week, there's a good chance of burglaries. And so, you know, that's something the police chief already knew, but with data now to back it up, they can make it more actionable. Again, Dr. Apigan with us this morning, MTSU Data Science Institute, which is a fairly new, I guess, part of MTSU. That is correct. We started it back in 2018. Since 2018, we've developed the undergraduate program in data science, the graduate certificate in data science. We now have a concentration in our PhD program in computational science, and we have a new master's degree starting in January of 2022. And MTSU, they put a lot of money into this. Well, we have, but we've also actually made an ask to the state to uh, help fund not only what we're doing, but also help us create K through 12 programming so that we can get more kids excited about this 
in uh, our K through 12 space. And we now have uh, received a $2.6 million state appropriation specifically to create data science educational programming throughout the state. So how, how far advanced is Tennessee compared to some of the other states when it comes to data sciences? And, you know, are there a lot of other universities doing this around the country? There are a lot of universities doing certain things. I think we're one of the leaders now in the most comprehensive because we have undergraduate, graduate, PhD, data science institute. Um, I think I look at Nashville as one of not only, an, it's not an up and coming anymore. It has now happened. It is now one of the tech hubs of the United States with an, uh, it might be smaller than obviously uh, the West Coast, but an Austin, uh, uh, Nashville, you're hearing those two names now when it comes to tech. And with uh, an Oracle coming and adding 8,500 jobs, Amazon just coming here, uh, this is an area where we f firmly believe that it, tech is going to explode here and most of it's going to be data related. And have you already had students go through this course? We have. We've had 21 already graduate. They started last fall. They graduated in May, and we have another uh, 12 graduating this summer, and we have another 20 starting in the fall. And how's their job search, or how are, you know, are they landing jobs right away? Well, the interesting thing is these are people with jobs that want more skills. And so out of the first cohort, almost all of them said, no, we're not changing jobs. But now we have new projects we can work on. Um, one, one individual is talking about how he was just pulling Excel files all day long. Well, now he gets to do text analytics, um, and he's excited about that. So pretty cool stuff because they're able to uncover a lot of new information for a lot of big corporations. Absolutely. And, and, and we're, we're seeing uh, that's one thing that we really want to do is upskill individuals to give them the data skills to help them make better decisions. And so that's what we're seeing in this graduate certificate program. So you can learn more on the MTSU website and in the search bar, I guess, just type in data science. If you type data science, MTSU, you'll, you'll get to us, but it's mtsu.edu slash data science, and that'll bring you to our main page. All right. Anything in closing you want to say this morning? No, but I will say this. We had our first data hackathon in person on Saturday with our students, and we had about 20 students. We were using Airbnb uh, data from Nashville, and it was so good to see so many of our students just sitting around talking data. That's what we're trying to create at MTSU, a program where you can come here and do things. And that's what data science at MTSU is really all about. It's pretty cool. Now, was that held in Murfreesboro in Nashville? Where was that? It was right here in Murfreesboro at the Miller Education Center just down the street. Sounds good. Again, Dr. Charlie Apigan with us this morning, MTSU Data Science Institute. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Time right now, 8.57. I've got local news and more coming your way next. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. A few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon. Partial sunshine develops a high in the upper 80s. Southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 78.